In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. I believe that we are in for a treat today in this episode of the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast because we have been spending the past several weeks in Romans chapter 12, and we have come to the conclusion in this episode. I hope that you've enjoyed this, and if you haven't listened to those uh uh, those teachings that's gone before this one today, go back and listen to that. It'll make a lot more sense as we conclude what Paul is telling us to do here as we live out the Christian life. So if you're taking notes, uh, we really want to look at this thing in about five sections, okay? And um, remember, Romans 1 through 11 is look how good God has been to you. Paul spends 11 chapters making that case. And then in verse 12 says, this is how we should respond as Christians. The first section of Romans chapter 12, if you were to break the whole chapter down into five pieces, you'd basically see the first piece is loving God through a surrendered life. The second is refusing to love the world's false promises. The third, loving ourselves for who God made us to be. Fourth, loving our fellow believers through sacrificial service. And then finally today, loving our enemies by supernaturally returning evil for good. Did you know that God hardwired into you uh, a DNA, a profound ability to love deeply and to hurt deeply? It's interesting, as a, as a father myself, my children have been a source of my greatest joy and my greatest sorrow. And God has pre-wired us to be able to feel and to love and to hurt deeply. And most of our deepest wounds have come through relationships. Many of you listening today have suffered through some difficult relationships, whether it be alienation from parents, or maybe you went through a divorce, or there was betrayal, or the loss of a child. And And while we can talk about the great pains of, of relationship, we can also at the same time talk about the great joys of those relationships, but they kind of come in one full package. And so one of the risks of relationships uh, is this wounding that can come with loving. And we all know that people are, there are people out there today even carrying painful scars from relationships, some that happened years and years ago. And the question is, is, is how do I get past the hurt? I mean, how do I respond to people or to situations that have hurt me? Don't you love that the Bible is not silent on these major issues that we face. It's amazing because in Romans chapter 12, verse 14 through 21, if you're following along, Paul encourages believers with this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome 
evil with good. This is a profound passage for the Christian to try to live out in the year 2021. Because everything about us is, if someone hurts us, is to get revenge. And this passage of Scripture is telling us to do what comes unnatural, not what comes natural. And so in order to do this, in order to live out this section, we're going to have to look at some other passages of Scripture to do it well. So today, while we're looking at Romans chapter 12, verse 14 through 21, I really also want us to focus on another a premier passage of Scripture, which is found in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. Now, oftentimes, uh, folks that I'm working with, whether it be in a counseling scenario or a coaching scenario, I like to have this verse as one of our go-to verses to keep in the, in the memory bank, so to speak, because it's all about walking in the light. And what, the reason that I like to correlate these two places of, in the Scriptures is that you're not going to be able— to live out what Paul's telling you to live out here unless you're walking in the light of Christ. The old ways of of repaying evil for evil are just too strong if we're not walking in the light of Christ. So in 1 John chapter 1 verse 7 through 9, I want to take a little insight from there and then let's go back and revisit this passage in Romans to see what we can learn. John encourages us in Rome in 1 John 1 7 through 9 verse 7 But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In other words, when you take these two particular passages of Scripture, what we find is this is Monday through Sunday stuff. This is the stuff that takes Scripture off the page and puts it right into our relationships. And the first key principle here is to walk in the light. Now, what does that mean? Well, if we're living the way the world lives, in other words, if we're taking revenge on everybody and, you know, we're uh, being proud and we're not really rejoicing with those who rejoice, if we're kind of living uh, for ourselves, uh, then it's going then, then it's because we're not walking in the light of Christ. We're walking in darkness. It's kind of a spiritual blindness concept here. But when the Holy Spirit comes into our life and flips on the light switch, uh, some of the things we see we don't like, but nevertheless, the call is for us to walk in the light. Why? Because that's where Jesus walks. He walks in the light. He is the light. And when we choose to do that, the Bible says we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I love the word all there, don't you? I mean everything. Even those shameful things you hope nobody ever finds out about. God has forgiven us, purifies us, it says here, from all. A-L-L. All our sin. Folks, that's just really good news. (laughs) And so he says here in verse 9 that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I want to break this verse down a little bit because I think there's some things here that can mean a lot to us. If we confess our sins, 
Did you know that the word confession there is not what we typically think of when we think of confession? Confession, we often think of as, well, I need to open my mouth and tell somebody what I've done. I need to confess this. And there is some truth to that. But the Greek word here for confession is the word homologeo, and it means to agree with the same. In other words, the word confession here means that to agree with God, to be in agreement about the sin in our life. If we are in agreement with God about the sin in our life, then we're much more likely to side with God on what to do with that sin. And so confession is more than just uh, saying the words. It's believing in our heart that what everything God has said and done is in our best interest. So confession is an attitude. Confession is a change in perception about the things in our life. And I see this all the time. When people really want to have a life change or really change a relationship or quit a really bad habit, it's not about just telling God about it. It's about agreeing with God of what's right. That's confession. And then it goes on and says that he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I love this verse when you look at it in the original Greek because the word here for purify us or cleanse us is other translations, is more better translated, continually cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When I learned that, man, it was liberating <laughs> that the blood of Jesus is continually cleansing me from all unrighteousness, that is, it's not a one and done, but that God is constantly at work in me and with me and for me, forming me to, into the image of his Son, What great news for us. And so when I recognize that if I agree with God and the blood of Christ is continually cleansing me, now I can go back to Romans 12, verse 14 through 21, and I can live this out. Before that, it sounds like it's all on me. But when I realize that I've got the power and the help of the Holy Spirit doing this for me, then I can bless those who persecute me and I cannot curse them. I can rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And I can live in harmony with one another. You see, this verse takes on new meaning when we see the companionship of Christ in us. Now, in Romans chapter 12, verse 14 through 21, I want us to look at seven, verse 17 here for a second. He says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. You know, there's probably somebody in our life that we need to just go ahead and forgive. I know it feels really good to hold a grudge. I know it feels really good to stick pins in that little doll and hope that they feel it. But you know what? It doesn't work that way. God won't allow it to work that way because it would be contrary to Scripture. He says here in verse 19, Do not take revenge, my dear friends. Do not take revenge. Boy, that ruins the, the plot of every Clint Eastwood movie, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't it seem like every Clint Eastwood movie is about revenge, and we pay money to go watch that? But think about it. He says, don't take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. In other words, the Christian, the disciple who's living the way Jesus wants them to live, allows room for God to work in their life. You know, when you and I rush in and try to take revenge and set things right, I think sometimes the Lord takes a back seat and says, well, you know what? I, I really had a good plan here. I was going to really fix this thing, but 
you jumped in there and tried to fix it for us. And so scripture is clear. Don't do that. Don't take revenge. If there's somebody in your heart or in your mind right now that you're thinking, I hope they get what's coming to them and I can't wait to help that happen. You know, let it go. Just let it go. Drop it. It's not good for you. It's not going to put you in the place where God has called you to be. Instead, surrender it to the Lord. It's what we started with in verse 1, wasn't it? Surrender. Well, we see it in verse 1, and we see it all the way in verse 21 here. Uh, Verse 20 says, on the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. He's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll you'll heap burning coals on his head. Well, number one, I hope you don't have an enemy. I hope you are living at peace with others. But think about this verse. Now, this verse can be very confusing to the modern Christian, especially with a Western mind. Let me share with you what I read in a commentary in a book called Strange Scriptures That Perplex the Western Mind, focused on this one. You know, back in the day, fire uh, was so important. And so oftentimes where somebody might go to their neighbor today to borrow sugar or salt, uh, in that day you would go to borrow burning coals. Because if you had those coals, you could start a fire. And if you could start a fire, you could cook and feed your family and keep warm. It was was life-sustaining. And so a lot of people would even carry those coals in a dish or a basket, so to speak, on their head. And so this verse here is not, in other words, some of us read this verse and think in verse 20, that if your enemy's hungry and feed them and you give them something to drink, that it'll just make them hot-headed. That's not what it means. It will be like giving them life-sustaining resources that they can carry home with them. Now think about this. It's hard to be angry or mean to somebody who's given you something, especially that's life-sustaining. And so when you are gracious, when you are generous, when you are giving something to someone that can bless them and their family, provide warmth, provide food, it's really hard for them to hold a grudge with you too. And that's what he's saying here. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on their head. It will actually result in them treating you with kindness, more likely, not not to get get them back. It's not a revenge verse because right before that, he says, don't take revenge. I hope that clears that up for you just a bit. It did clear it up for me. But then finally, in verse 21, it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, evil hates good. And I understand that we do live in a world where evil exists. And I'll make no mistake about that. There are some people who are so controlled by evil that they wish you harm and they wish danger upon other people. It's just part of living in a fallen world. But you and I have an opportunity to react or respond to evil, and the Scripture is extremely clear. Overcome evil with good. Now, I don't know how that plays out for you, but I want you to think about someone or some situation in your life where maybe evil exists. You know, Jesus never saw anyone as evil. He saw them as captured by evil. That's why the job description of the Messiah in Luke chapter 4 is to set the captives free. Set who free? The captives, those captured by evil. And so Scripture is filled with people who had evil intentions that God changed their heart and they began to live a life for good. That may be your story too, I don't know. But from verse 1 of Romans chapter 12 to verse 21 of Romans chapter 12, we get this clear mandate on how we are to live our life. And I know that some of this sounds like a tall order, but think about it this way. If God knows the last day of your life from the first, and God loves you, which he does, and God has a plan for you, which he does, 
I promise you that by following God's mandate, you will never regret that. You will never, nobody ever gets to the end of life and says, gosh, I wish I hadn't listened to God so much. (laughs) It just doesn't happen. So I want to encourage you today. I'm so glad you found this podcast. And I'm so glad that you're as in love with Romans chapter 12 as I am, that you would take this chapter and really put it to heart. Go back through this, uh, these sessions with your Bible open and make notes. And let this be a, a five or six week study that you take others through as well. Because don't forget, above all of this, the mandate on our life is to go and make disciples. I pray that God finds you faithful in doing that. I pray that this was an encouragement to you as well. If you'd like more encouragement or more insight, go to 419disciplemakers.org. Listen to the other uh, episodes of this podcast and invite a friend to listen to him as well. Give us your thoughts and feedback. We'd love to hear from you and hear what God's doing in your life. And if there's someone that you think has a story that needs to be told about a life transformed and that is as making disciples for Jesus that we can interview and share, we would love to do that. Just reach out and contact us. God bless you as you live out the Great Commission in your life. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. 